Platoon! Attention! Honorable Words is an independent project and is not endorsed by the DOD, any military component, or government entity. The views expressed within are those of the host. The hosts are not doctors or mental health professionals qualified to give medical advice. Additionally, the podcast can contain graphic descriptions of suicide and is not suitable for young listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Fallout! So, honorable, honorable words. That's what we're going to call this podcast. Honor, honorable words is what we're doing, I think. Okay. Uh, well, hello and welcome everybody to Honorable Words, episode one. Uh, I am your host, Joby Adams. I'm joined by none other by the famous uh, Chris Colburn. Not famous at all. There's no, no fame. There's no fame here. You're so famous. You don't even know. You don't even know. Um, so yeah, we're just uh, we're down in the basement, hanging out. Um, give a little backstory about both of us. Probably, yeah. People yeah. would probably like to know about. I think we need to start with some background information. Yeah, where we are um, now because of maybe where we've been. Yeah, I think that's a good idea to start there. I can dig on that. All right. Well, um, I'm uh, I'm a staff sergeant in the U.S. Army uh, Reserves, and uh, I've been in for 13 years. Uh, yeah. Well, it'll be 13 years in uh, in October. Um, oh man, they're coming through. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Right. All right. So if you guys can hear that, that's uh, that's our our significant others. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I've been 13 years. Uh, I joined as a 92 Alpha Automated Logistics Specialist. I uh, did that for five years, and then I re-enlisted and uh, switched over to the dark side and became a 31 Echo. That's a uh, military police. Uh, NARC for NARC, yeah, for yeah. Um, but uh, as an echo, I'm a uh, internment and resettlement specialist. Uh, so I, I would work in um, in the uh, the prisons, uh, prisons or de- uh, detainment facilities. Uh, but then uh, a couple of years ago, I went to uh, military police investigator school. Uh, did that, and then shortly after that, I went to master gunner master gunner common core down at Fort Benning, Georgia. And uh, now I'm a master gunner. And uh, I was an instructor at the Senior Gunner Course at uh, 400 League at California. And now I'm an advisor to uh, training divisions. So that's a little bit about me. Awesome. So <clears throat> if you had asked me several years ago when I got out of the Marine Corps, if I would ever have an Army best friend, I would say no. Absolutely not. And and I, I, I would say the same about a Marine. And um, one that was a narc, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> But we've gotten here somehow, some way. Yeah. Um, you know, so I um, joined the Marine Corps when I was 17, and I really didn't have any idea what I wanted to do or what I wanted to be. Marine Corps has a really good idea <clears throat> how to mold your life. You want to text her and tell her <laughs> yeah. they're too loud. Oh, the girls are just chatting. The wine, yeah. the wine is flowing tonight, which is oh, good. Oh, it is, it is going. We um, actually have some yingling, um, you know, the beer of all beers. So, um, you know... Joining the Marine Corps is one of the best things I probably did. Just gave me direction and uh, really bettered my life a little bit. I mean, obviously, we have some stories about where we've been and where we've gone. Um, what we've done. <laughs> These girls are out of control. She, she just flipped me off. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I thought we had a horror studio, but now we have to share it with the women. But, um, yeah. you know, so my I, I enlisted as uh, uh, just a general grunt. Uh, 
I had a opportunity to go to school to learn how to become a anti-tank assault gunner, which is phased out now. But ultimately, we just we're just a basic grunt that carries rocket launchers and gets to learn about demolition. So that was pretty fun. My first couple of years, I did a B billet. Um, that's what the Marine Corps calls it. And I was a security force guy. A B billet? B billet, yeah. Okay. If you're going to re-enlist and you're going to stay in, as far as I understand, there's certain things you have to do. Recruiting duty. Um, you could be a drill instructor. You could be, you know, different things. But, <clears throat> and I don't understand all the ins and outs of it, but ultimately my B billet was um, security forces. I got to go to some of the finest men I've ever dealt with. Not dealt with, but served with, for sure. I'm still really good friends with most of them. Flask, Fast Company is a smaller unit. Um, ultimately, you're forward deployed. So when shit hits the fan, we're the first to respond, first to deploy. And, and you were active duty too, right? Yeah, I did. I, okay. That's all I did was forward active duty. Um, I, I spent some time doing reserve uh, here locally. It wasn't my cup of tea. Yeah. Reserves is so hard. Active duty to reserves was not uh, the same thing. And then I went from a grunt unit to a um, reserve unit. That was a pogue unit, which is people other than grunt. Yeah. So yeah. okay. No, I've heard a lot that that transition from active duty to the reserves is so tough uh, because you're so used to having the standards right. and enforcing those standards. Uh, what was that transition like? Uh, for me, <clears throat> it wasn't really a transition. I didn't stop doing no. what I did. I, uh, I I argued quite a bit with some of the senior enlisted. Um, in my mind, I don't think they've ever really done anything, but mm. kind of skirted. Like the uh, main, from I don't know his name, first sergeant so and so. Yeah, yeah. Um, he would constantly just berate me about some of my guys. Like I just met them just today, right? It's my first yeah. drill with them. We have an inspection. One's got a hole in his camis. I've already counseled him. We're we're moving on. Yeah, you're you're already running at a hundred percent speed. You know what am I going to do yeah. with this guy? I can't. He lives in somewhere western Omaha. Sorry, western Nebraska. Yeah, he can't drive to get serviceable anything anywhere he's a young college kid I, this is a whole new ball game for me how am i supposed to hold this young young kid that it, it's very difficult yes he's a marine he went to boot camp but he hasn't done anything marine like in the last who knows long you know yeah and then this unit is just we're the marine corps we're fucking broke excuse my language yeah, no no there's gonna let, be let some let chip. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah let's slip the dogs of war and say fuck it so we yeah. can actually actually okay so we're not gonna pg ourselves anything. Uh, no no uh we're we're currently drinking uh i got a cup uh, yingling yeah uh, what, what version of yingling i'm not sure it's american yeah. something or other yeah uh it's, it's a nice up. dark beer it's very it's, dark it's very tasty so we, I, yeah. I give him a case so we can just sip on that it's not just yeah. for tonight but it might end up being no i I'm I'm a glutton for spotted cow out of uh, Wisconsin, and so I I showed him spotted cow, and now he's like, oh, I'm going to show you Yingling. It's one of my favorite things. Yeah, so we tried tried trade beers back and forth. You know, it's our relationship. So far, so good. Next is whiskeys, right? Yeah, uh, whiskey is going to take some time. Uh, I I will fully admit that I cannot drink whiskey. I I, I will sip on it, and I'm like, mm, yeah, this is good. Mm, yeah, that's, so that's good. all I do. It's just sip on it. That's all you do. Make it neat and make it sip it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, transition was was crappy. I, as soon as stop loss lifted, yeah, I bounced. I, I got out as fast as possible. Now, I could have gone to a reserve unit in Des Moines, which would have been what I should have done. It's yeah. a grunt unit. They have fifty ones there. Um, that would have been my ideal. Yeah, more more but up your alley. When I got back to Omaha, small town, I thought Des Moines was so far away. Yeah, I'm just gonna stay local here and yeah. join. You know, I had my Humvee license. I'll just do a lap move to. But yeah, Marine Corps broke. There's nothing. Everything's broken there. They can't fix yeah, it. Absolutely. We have you, no don't money. Have to, you don't have time to fix it. Well, there's just yeah, there's no time, right? But there's, yeah. there's actually a training schedule to fix things that are broken. We have own parts. 
Yeah. Well, the funny thing about training schedules is <laughs> you, you can create the best training schedule ever, and then a day of, first sergeant comes down and he says, after training schedule, we have to do this stupid mandatory training now. No, this is most of his training schedules. Oh, he, he would say... I think he yeah. was the one doing it. Oh, okay. And then it was like, well, we don't have anything right now to do. So and this is before cell phone uses. This is before... I mean, we, oh, had, yeah. we had nothing. I mean, this is what is... 2003. Okay. Okay, yeah. so it wasn't that long ago. I, I, didn't, I didn't join until 2009. Okay, you're... Well, you're, actually, 2008 is when I enlisted, and then basic training, 2009. I, I, you can imagine the life that you live now without any kind of technology. That's what I, it was. I can't I can't imagine trying to contact my subordinates without cell phones. Well, they didn't go very far. Yeah. They, they, my subordinates had to stay within ears reach or okay. arms reach. Yeah. What do you call that when you have the ears, you're bent, whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, they weren't allowed to go very far. And if they didn't answer their room phone, there was some from price to pay. So. Yeah. Now, was that active duty or was that your active reserve time? Active duty. I and didn't reserve. have any reserve time, yeah. Yeah. I mean, other than the, the short seven months there, literally it wasn't, there was no time away from them at all. So. Yeah. Now, I've only done a little bit of active duty. I did my, my deployment to Afghanistan and, uh, and then now I've been on active duty orders for a little bit, but uh, that's a completely like I, I don't have any real support inside to deal with now, which is nice because I was a platoon sergeant in the reserves for a while, and that was just oh my god, I try not imagine that. Yeah, try just being an NCO in the reserves is tough enough, but then trying to be a platoon sergeant on top of that, trying to track down your guys and be like, why the fuck aren't you doing your PT? You know, so on and so forth, and. They're, they're giving you all their all their excuses because you like know, assholes. Just, yeah, then they're like, you know, I'm, I'm like, hey, we got to get this done by by COB today. And like, no, I'm not going to do that. And then you, then you're put into a hard hard spot. You're like, I have really no course of action here as as a reservist. I, I mean, yeah, I could probably drive out eight hours out to Western Omaha and and meet this dude face to face. Be like, you're doing this, but is that going to happen? No, I, I could not imagine that. Life was so much more simple when you have your your unit staying right next to you, nonstop, twenty four seven. There was no question whether or not you're going to follow a rule mm-hmm. at all, at all. Yeah. And I've I've seen some, and I've heard some, and I'm I just can't imagine that lifestyle. Like I feel like I'd served in the best time. Granted, it was Cold War for me. I didn't I didn't deploy. I mean, mm-hmm. my deployments are we're going to talk about Naples, Italy at some point. Oh, I, I'm and, I'm anxious <clears throat> to hear about that. And so we and, and my other deployment to um, we did the Westpac tour with three five, right? which West, is not, West Pacific. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of the Asian countries, um, Singapore, North Korea, South Korea. Oh my gosh. Sorry, not North Korea, South Korea. <laughs> Um, well, well may, maybe North Korea, but you can't yeah. talk about that. No, no, no. <laughs> no, it was actually pretty funny because the the operation we did in South Korea, we pretty much just uh, we jumped. We were an Amtrak unit. Okay. We were attached to Amtrak, so we we did splash it with them, and we stormed the beach, and then we actually did it with the South Korea. Every year they do it together, and then they pretty much record it and send this combined arms exercise to North Korea, saying, "Hey, don't, f- don't fuck around. Fuck around, find out." It's right? A, it's yeah. Cal Rittenhouse. Uh, yeah, it's, it's like show of force. It's yeah. pretty much all it is. So, yeah. so when you say when you say Amtrak, what do you mean by Amtrak? Uh, it's just the AVTAC Seven. It's the one that has a. It's a mobile. It's a track unit. Okay. Troop, troop carrier track unit, but also is it, splashes. Is that like the uh, amphibious? Yeah, AAV Tech Seven is what the one we used. Oh, okay. it is the AAV. It is AAV. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It absolutely is. So, 
we uh, when we did that they had people on the beach protesting and oh. we had to actually move our operation further down to the south because of course we're going to run through people we can't really you know yeah. we're yeah. trying to make this video of how badass we are and we're not running over women and children <laughs> yeah. so right but it yeah. was you know it yeah, was we're, a good operation. you're bad bad you're badass to a point <laughs> yeah there's no there's no point in time of time of peace to be running over women and children and just protest that's on the beach yeah. so no, see that I've, I've never heard it called an Amtrak. Uh, with the Master Gunner stuff that I do, we we do vehicle ID, and right. we you, we have to go through a, a portion of um, American vehicles, and so we we touch on the AAV, assault amphibious vehicle, uh, and it's this really cool looking vehicle. It's got a dual weapon system on the top, up on the, on the turret. You know, you can put your fifty cal. Tell me about it, because I really don't know anything about uh, it. Uh, oh, you never, you know, uh, we, we. I mean, I got to sit in the back. Yeah, you were really, in the back. All yeah. you get is diesel fuel, and there's yeah. a dark light in there, and that's it. Oh man, a lot of guys are puking in their helmets. They're oh camera. really? Yes. Wow. Because you know, have you ever ridden them? Well, you've never been in one before. No, I've never been in one. When you jump out of a, a boat, they literally just drive off the edge of the boat, yeah. a splash, and then they just. You, they're wow. not very stable. Yeah. Right? So a lot of guys are just, this is the first time ever being in this metal box that shouldn't yeah. float, but it does somehow. Yeah. Does it get a lot of water in it? or uh, No, we don't get yeah. water in the back. Okay. No, not at all. At all. But yeah. um, no. It's okay. just guys vomiting left and right. Now, now your versions did they have the uh, the uh, extra armor kit on the side where it looked like ribs? Yeah. On the side. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so that's that's the one that we that we would teach during this. And uh, so yeah, it's got the dual armor or dual weapon system uh, turret up there, uh, the upgun weapon station. And uh, so you got your fifty cal and your and your Mark nineteen. So you got your uh, your uh, weapon that can really kill somebody. You know your your fifty cal. And then usually you use the Mark 19 as an anti-personnel weapon, more like crowd control. Right. Um, so you do like grass, gas grenades and, and stuff like that, but you can put high explosive rounds in it. But, right. Um, we we have a similar one called the uh, the ASC, Armored Security Vehicle, that has the same upgun weapon station in it uh, for the MP side. Okay. But they're to get rid of that. But uh, yeah. Anyway, I digress. Yeah. No, it's fine. So we I did a little bit of armor ID. Um, okay. For different, so when you we have the same uh, chat group we're in, and somebody posted a picture of a, of a tank in a garage. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and then wanted to know what it was, and, and you made me so hard when you just oh, fired yeah. off. This is what it does. This is what it you know. Oh yeah, yeah. It was a, uh, a Leopard two, uh, a German vehicle, and it looked like it had a, uh, a specific armor kit on it. And then I, I just told about all the uh, the armament on it, and they're just like. Holy shit! Yeah, it's been yeah. a while. I mean, I learned basic shit when we when we did because we have to learn how to kill it. Right. So if yeah. it's going to be a, a track kill or it's going to be actually a gas tank kill, we had to figure it out. Not that I would ever. I mean, this is back in the day when they still taught us how to use the dragon, which is a yeah. yeah this is a fire. You know, it's a missile. Yeah, kind of like fire, fire and forget. No, or is it? No, it's is actually it a wire guided missile. Okay, yeah. So it, it, they, they're not accurate. At all, they have no. been using them. I mean, we shot a we shot a, a good handful of them. It's very similar to the toe then, because the it's, toe is, is yeah. wire guided. It's or, just an older yeah. version of it. I'm not sure when it came out, but it's they okay. shouldn't be fired. We have to fire straight down into a ravine because oh. if the wire breaks, now you have an erratic flight and you have all these motors that is pushing this rock or mu missile some other direction. Yeah. So we have to fire down into a ravine. Now is that with a copper copper wire on it too? That it, that it, I'm sure it's something yeah. like that. Yeah. So after you fire that, you probably have to go police up that copper wire. No, not if you. Down into you know no no we okay. didn't we didn't police that range oh yeah we never police that range because a lot of times they didn't fire they didn't yeah. blow so oh uh, okay oh that's a lot of duds it's down a lot, there. it's a lot of duds down there yeah yeah go down there if you wish but <laughs> you're not coming back nobody's going to police that range yeah no, not yeah. at all 
All right. Yeah. See, now that that's a, that's an interesting aspect of it because with the ID that I teach and, and taught at the uh, senior gunner course, uh, we're all about just identifying the vehicle, but not ways to kill it. So you actually focused on the ways to kill the vehicle. Right. We have to disarm it. We have to understand what country it is, where where they came from. But but people own this. I mean, we went all the way from T. Fifty four, fifty five. Yeah, yeah. All the way to T seventy two, and then everything in between, and then yeah, like the BMPs and, and mm-hmm. the BMDs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I know, but it's basic, and it has been a long time. So, but, so, anyways, it impressed me a lot when you came out and you fired that off. Like, oh, it was just something you know you should everybody should know. Yeah, it was like this common knowledge. <laughs> why, why don't you know this? This is a knucklehead. Come basic on, basic Chevy fifteen hundred uh, HD. Yeah. You know? yeah. Now, now that you bring that up, like when I'm teaching the vehicle ID portion, he's vaping. By the way. Uh, when, when I, <laughs> you know what I just he, call, saw? he calls me he calls me a pogue, but he's vaping over here. So like, oh. I just call I just saw this. It was um, it's called a personal electronic nicotine inhalation system. Oh, a penis. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what it was. And I was like, oh, well, I'm sucking on a penis. Yeah, I'm that yeah. guy. Um, hey, six months here, I haven't had a cigarette, so that's a, a cigarette, a cigarette, cigarette. A smoke cigarette, yeah. c- cigarette. You know, I'm actually kind of in the same boat. Uh, since I got back from uh, my teaching position uh, in October, uh, I've really just, like, my smoking has just gone down uh, because I have no no need to go out. Plus, it got cold, and I'm not going to go outside and have a cigarette. Exactly. Yeah, so uh, now that it's starting to get spring again, I'm starting to smoke more because, hey, I can it's go warmer. outside. Yeah. Time killer. Yeah. Um, get yourself a penis and start yeah. being more healthy. Uh, I I got I got one. <laughs> you know, my uh, my wife she got uh, she got her vape pens the other day, and uh, it's called a uh, a dinner lady, but it looks so much like a vibrator. It's definitely a vibrator. Uh, I saw it earlier. Yeah, it reminded me of the vibrator. Strawberry that, uh, flavored vibrator. <laughs> that are we we used to work as guards at uh, federal buildings. Uh, Chris and I here, and uh, there's this one time. Uh, I, for, I think it was our, our... Wait, how far are we into the podcast? I have not introduced myself. Oh, uh, we're like 19 minutes into it. Oh, okay. This is Chris Colburn, by the way. There we go. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Um, I digress. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, our, our counterpart there, uh, the third guy on the job, I, was he on the... I think he was on the magneton... Or not the mag, but the x-ray that day. Uh, well, and we had multiple dildos that would come through. Yes. Yeah, that, I'm just going to say it. it. It was a dildo and a, a vibrator. But, yeah, I just remember that day uh, one of us it came through. We had to pull it out because there was wires on it, and we, you, you had to inspect it. Yep. And uh, the dude was like, yeah, that, that's a vibrator. <laughs> or or the, the, the girl. The, the, we need to check this out. We need to take, take a look at this yeah. closer look. Yeah, like. Yeah, you know, that's a vibrator. Yeah, I understand this vibrator. I still got to look at it. I still have to make sure it's not a vibrator with a bomb in it. Yeah. You know? Oh, uh, gosh. Thank God for gloves. But, no, when she first, when my wife first got those uh, uh, vapes, I was like, is that a fucking vibrator? She she got a vibrator. Like, no, 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 it's, it's, a, it's a vape pen. Like, oh, okay, okay. They yeah. look pretty fancy. Yeah. Um, and what were we talking about with the VID portion? I'm not sure. Oh. This is uh, what this is what this is going to be about. Us yeah. just rambling for a while. Yeah, and absolutely. We'll get to a point eventually. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, it's been about twenty minutes here into the podcast. Uh, what is what even is this podcast about? Well, we're going to discuss uh, lots of things. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> One of the biggest things that we do when we get out of the military transition, right? Oh, oh that that transition, absolutely. Yes. Sometimes it's not even a transition. It's just 
it is just blah, right? Yeah, you're, you don't you're, actually transition from being a military personnel, service person, service man and woman to a civilian. Never. Yeah. Never. Yeah. yeah so especially in the really reserves, transition. Yeah. Yeah. You just go and then they just cut the cord like, all right, deuces. You yeah. know, you're on your own now. So your, your classes, when you, when you PCS or when you get out, right, mm-hmm. your classes are taught by usually somebody in higher enlisted, somebody that's in the service, that's life member of the service, or did you actually have civilians teach your class? Uh, well, when uh, when like I was leaving, TAMP class, TAP class, uh, SFL TAP. Okay. Uh, they call it. They now call it Soldier for Life Transition Assistance Program. I'm sorry. Yeah. The military does a lot of acronyms, but and the, the army silly. is so gay. Oh, it. You have to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just gave him the, the neck the neck kill motion. <laughs> There's so many. We, we, we're not going to sit here and bash other. Yeah. Well, there'll be some some camaraderie bashing, yeah. but they're worse. The army is oh the worst at all it, of their acronym is, training. It is so silly, the, the amount of acronyms. And then, like, I'll say an acronym, and I'm expecting another soldier to know, and they're like, what is that? <laughs> or, or there's, like, different variations of that same, like, four or five-letter thing. Like, are you talking about this? No, I'm talking about that. Oh. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> Which one is that? Yeah. Um, yeah, so we're, we'll talk about uh, that transition, uh, and then just... You know, really, we're just going to be sharing stories about our life in the military, um, the struggles, the uh, the joys, the the good times, the bad times, yeah, being out in the training area and just, you know, twiddling your thumbs, waiting for, you know, fucking who knows what. Somebody has to get the uh, the keys to the training area, as they say, you know. Um, and then we're, we're definitely going to touch on, um, you know, suicide in, uh, in the military uh, and how it's become so prevalent. And ways that we're working to mitigate that and, and bringing awareness to it. And it's not that there's not awareness on it, uh, but ways to get around and through it. And, and, uh, and our, our personal struggles with it, uh, you know, friends that we've had that have decided to take that decision and, and that action. And uh, it's going to get uncomfortable sometimes. Uh, we're, we're not going to, you know, you know, hit around the bush. We're uh, beat around the bush. Beat around. Yeah. <clears throat> beat around. Beat and hit. That's the same. That's, same but action. says heat around, hit around the bush. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes whenever I'm thinking of a, a metaphor, I'll, I'll use an incorrect word. Okay. Yeah. That yeah. works for me, and I'll just correct you, and we'll be happy. Yeah, it'll be it'll be all good. I've always been the grammar Nazi. I'm not sure why, because I'm still a Marine, and usually we're pretty dumb. Yeah. yeah. Which, by the way, you didn't bring me any snacks tonight. I, uh, I just noticed that. There's no snacks you know, in office. I do have some crayons in my son's room, okay. if, if you want. I'll have to go yeah. raid it later on and find that, some snacks. That reminds me of the time you baked uh, crayons into the muffins. Yes. The, yeah. uh, uh, or cupcakes. Cupcakes, yeah. yes. Yeah. That was... Um, that was several years ago. Yeah. And they were a hit, folks. Um, we had people that were finding out there was crayons baked into the middle of these cupcakes, and people were really, uh, I was going to find something, but I didn't find it. Oh. Yeah, there was a, it was a meme about, um, ultimately, the M1 and the M this, and then it had like a bunch of stuff that just said, are you talking about the helmet, the tank, or this, this oh, rifle? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I forget what it was. There was a bunch of stuff about that. Oh, well, yeah, like a perfect example of that is the M16A2. Okay. Okay, that, that's a rifle. But it's also the... That's the, the scary one. Is it the black one? The, the assault? Is it the assault <laughs> yeah. rifle? Yeah. Is the one yeah, that shoots a thousand rounds a minute with yeah. a rocket launcher mount to it? Exactly, yeah. I learned about that from the news. That's yeah. That's really uh, good. It's a ghost gun, 30-round clip. What's a ghost gun? That's yeah. untraceable, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, the, the M16A2, it's also a rifle, but it's also the centigrading links for the 50 cal uh, ammunition. Oh. Yeah, so you mentioned M6, or is it, uh... It's... Uh, no, 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 um... Uh, 
uh, for the Mark 19, sorry. Uh, Mark yeah. 19 disintegrating rounds, uh, or disintegrating links. Uh, so M16A2, the round, the links, or M16A2, the rifle. Uh, I didn't I didn't know that at all. Yeah. Uh, you're I not, can't find it. Yeah, I'm dropping knowledge bombs here for you. Yeah, you are. Yeah. I'm learning something as we go. So, you know, that's the whole thing about when you get out, when you leave, whatever, whatever aspect it is, there's not a whole lot of transition, and if it is... Uh, it's hard. There's nobody that do it for you. Yeah. Um, we look towards a lot of humor. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it's dark because we've kind of seen it and done it and been there and done that. So we kind of just look towards the the more worse the worst stuff that you can find uh, appropriate. Oh yeah, yeah. Like I, I think we bag. can we can both agree that veteran veteran humor tends to be the most disgusting humor, absolutely like, darkest shit that there could be. And it's like, can you out? Yeah, the guy, the next guy next to you. Can you make him yeah. sick? Can you make him laugh? Can you make him, you know, something disgusting? Yeah. And then you feel proud. When, and for some yeah. reason, I feel more proud when I'm like, like I, I got a buddy that I uh, work with. We went to uh, Master Gunner School together, and uh, he's always trying to do uh, mom jokes on me, <laughs> and I wouldn't let him because I would just flip it around on. Him. He's like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I went and did this with your mom. I'm like, well, she's dead. So. Uh, <laughs> Or uh, the, the first time, the first time he really did it, uh, we were at uh, the school together, and he said he said something about my mom. I was like, uh, "My mom has cancer, uh, so thank you." And uh, like just the look on his face, like I just like completely deflated him, and then I would just turn it around on him ever since then. And now he's like, "It's like yeah, your mom." He's like, "Shit, I can't do that because then your mom is passed." And I'm like, yeah, you can still dig her up and. and <laughs> And then I feel bad. Like the it's inside. the worst then, but the, yeah. that's your humor. You yeah, know? and and then that's how I deal with with that passing is I I make it such a just a terrible joke. And you know, mom, if you're looking down, I'm I'm sorry. I don't mean the jokes. It's just how I, how I deal with it. Um, yeah. It is. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we're talking about the transition. So uh, yeah, it's er, just it's earlier. difficult, and it, there are things that uh, you could talk about and you could know, and then. There's things that you just need to tell somebody to get off your chest. And, and there's yeah. one thing that you and I, from a very early time of our relationship, mm-hmm. um, how long has it been? That we, oh, gosh. I don't remember yeah. when I started working there. 2015? Somewhere around there. 14? 15? Uh, yeah, because I... We could sit here in numbers. Yeah, yeah. Numbers are hard, yeah. but it's, mid, been, mid, it's been a yeah, minute. Mid-teens. Mid-teens okay. of 2000. It's been a minute. Yeah. We've been through some, some trials and tribulations, that's yeah. for sure. Many hours on post, just staring out a window with nothing else to do. You know, speaking of finding dildos and extra machines, one yeah. of my favorite things to find on somebody, mm-hmm. which was condoms. If you remember, oh, yeah. they would think that they didn't have to pull it out of their pocket when we say, yeah. hey, take everything out of your everything pocket. Everything out of your pocket. And there's this guy that comes through, you know, without yeah. a girl, mm-hmm. but he's got 15 or 20 condoms in your pocket. Guess what? Those things are, they have metal on <laughs> yeah, them. Yeah, the little foil packet. <laughs> yeah. So it's going to set off a metal detector. Now, yeah. if you walk through a metal detector and you remember, oh, you have them, you can't get them out of your pocket. I've got to get them out of your pocket yeah. because it's, you yeah, can't, you, you know, yeah, because of the, the process your body. that we had to go through. Yeah. I've given you an opportunity to take it out of your pocket. And yeah, you said, yeah. no. Once you go through that, that threshold, your, your body now belongs to me. <laughs> your ass belongs to me. Yeah. And so now I'm digging out these shitty condoms out of your pocket. Yeah. Um, I think my favorite one, though, was when, and I don't know who did this, but there was a guy that had some lotion that was desensitizing specifically for his genitals. Oh, yeah, And yeah. Somebody, had, somebody had pre-screened it with a bowl before it got to the x-ray and then looked at me and said, hey, very seriously, 
we need to take a look at that. Yeah. That's some really serious stuff. Take a look at yeah, that. Yeah, we use one of our code words, uh, <laughs> our, our code phrases. Uh, you uh, Catch that I, game? Yeah, that, that was ours. It was, uh, you catch that game last night? And that that's when we would say that, and uh, it would just put everybody on alert. Oh, hey, something is about to go down. Right. So I, 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 I paid more attention I'm serious. To I pull this little metal bottle out of this bowl before I x-ray it, and no shit, it says genitalia desensitizing liquid so i'm thinking oh this is fucking disgusting right because this guy you know he's i don't know if he's got some venereal disease right why do you need to have this stuff why do you need to bring it with you in your pocket yeah but he has been putting this into his hand and then touching touch his penis yeah Yeah. and and now it's in my hands and i'm like oh this is fucking great guys and so did you have gloves on or uh not at this time (laughs) and i turned around and there was already a bottle of hand sanitizer waiting for me yeah it was uh (laughs) It was like I wanted to kill you that day. Uh, it reminds me, uh, and we're talking about condoms and, and dildos and everything that had come through. And there was this one time, uh, this guy comes through, and uh, I'm like, hey, everything out of your pocket? He's like, yep, yep, everything's out. I'm like, okay, come on through. And he steps through, and it sets off. So then I'm going through with the, with the metal detector, and I, I hit his back pocket, and there's a little package there. And I pull out the package, and it's cock rings. <laughs> and and it's opened and one of them is gone and uh i'm like so uh cock rings huh are you wearing one right now <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah uh so then i have to finish the, the screening process but it was he's like oh yeah 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 we're, we're just coming from iowa like what does that mean <laughs> what, what does that have to do with anything you're coming from iowa and you correlation got this there was a bar in iowa he was probably wearing yeah. a cock ring for i don't know well, probably yeah it's just funny the things that so would come through what is what what's the reason somebody's coming into your building right let's yeah. get to the, the nuts and bolts of that yeah right so somebody comes to the building that we secured mm-hmm. why are they there and th- then this will make more you know, obviously more discussion of why these things are not appropriate yeah yeah we're we were at a federal building uh that had to be secured um, how in depth do you want to go it, on? Well, this? it's immigration, yeah. right? Okay. The yeah. only people coming there for the public are to go watch somebody become a citizen, mm-hmm. right? Or to ask somebody's questions. Yeah, yeah. Two, talk two talk to an immigration officer for wearing yeah. cock rings, bringing yeah. condoms, and desensitizing lotion for your genitalia. Yeah, you know why? Why do you need this in the building at this time? Yeah, you know, are you going to go to the bathroom and bang one out, or you know? <laughs> who knows? At, yeah. at some point, I mean, what's going on? Like, what is in your mind? Why are you coming to this building with these yeah. things? You should like leave everything in the car. You're gonna get, you're gonna be here for 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Watch this person get certified, or you know, become a citizen. Yeah. Take your pictures and then you go bounce to lunch. Don't bring that stuff in the building. Yeah, there, there's no reason to do that. And then people would just dig their heels and like, oh, well, I, I'm not going to. You guys can take this. Like, we, no. we can't hold on to this stuff. This is not the airport. We don't yeah. get rid of this. You take it out. You leave yeah. You leave with it. You. Oh, well, if I take it out, am I have to go back through screening? Yes. Because you left the building. <laughs> you know, I, there's nothing I can do at this point. Well, you, you can know? trust me, guys. I've already yeah. been through screening. You can yeah. trust me. I don't know. Uh, you know. No, I'm not going to trust you. I'm not going to go out to my car and get a gun or a bomb, you know, because it never yeah. happens. You know. Yeah, no, never. Don't do your job. Yeah. Oh, geez. Oh, man. Good times. You know, the, the uh, best part about that job, I think, for me, mm-hmm. was most of the people there were also military. Most of the oh, employees. God, yeah. Yeah. Most of the federal workers were also military, so mm-hmm. they understood the things that we've been through. Yeah. And the days that we have are just shitty days. And then you can just say... Like oh, check-in day. Yeah. Oh gosh. Uh, <laughs> there was day. There was a day every yeah. month. Ult- ultimately, what would you call it? People that are on supervision of some kind. Yeah. Uh, have to check in with mm-hmm. their parole officer, which was the immigration ICE officer. Yeah, and uh, people that didn't have a legal status right. at, at that moment. 
or that were going through the legal, legal process, legal but they process. had to, they had to meet certain criteria in order to, to uh, move forward in their process. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so one of them was to come in and every month, every month. Yeah. And we're, we're normally there where that building was generally, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was super busy, uh, but there was a steady, steady, flow. Yeah, steady, steady flow. But, uh, this day it would just take your normal amount and just quadruple it. And you're, you're nonstop for about four or five hours. Just constant. And it's just nothing but problems. It seems like, yeah. And, uh, you know, you got a language barrier that you got to deal with. And, you know, we're trying to work through it. So we're learning Spanish. And, and uh, so some of us. Some, some of us are. And uh, so we're, try- we're trying to make that through because, you know, Spanish is not English louder. And, and it doesn't <laughs> regardless, do it. Regardless of what you think. Yeah. It's not just yeah, English louder. Or, or saying it slower does not get the point across. Right. Um, you, usually, Even what, if you speak Spanish very yeah. fluently. Yeah. They still don't want to listen. Oh yeah, cause, well, yeah, because there's different dialects, and right. and I mean, there's just more than Spanish. You got Portuguese and Brazilian, and all, all nope, the others. It's all Spanish. I'm it's sorry. All, it's all Spanish. It, it's really it's difficult. It, it really yeah. And that's the only culture. Yeah. Of all the people that come there for their citizenship, that was the only culture that would refuse to speak English. And that's it was, what was weird to me. Yeah. You know, I was talking to a, a buddy of mine uh, who's uh, Hispanic, and he was talking about that, and I'm like. I asked him, what is the resistance about learning, you know, this other language? And like, well, they're very prideful of that language. And um, other Hispanics, if they see somebody else, they're going to they're going to speak uh, you know, Spanish to them. And if they start speaking English, then there's like a, a pride moment. You know, it's an hmm. ego ego kind of thing. So, sure. you know, like like now knowing that, I can understand the resistance behind it. Like, oh well, no, this is my heritage. This is this is my language. I'm gonna disagree a little bit. Only yeah, I, I do still see the good point with that. But yeah. also, you're coming into a federal facility to get your yeah. citizenship. You probably should understand the rules. If I say, listen, leave that knife outside, mm-hmm. very clearly. It's posted. It's said. It's you know rehearsed. It's also done in Spanish. And it's still not yeah. one to be paid attention I mean, to. There, that to me, that's is, a bit worrisome. There is a level of, hey, I am entering an English facility now. I should probably speak English. Uh, yeah. But but holding on to that. At least understand it. Oops, yeah. sorry. Don't oh. pop your knuckles while you're <laughs> close to the microphone, guys. No, um, no it, but I, I do agree on, on to a certain extent. You know, like. Uh, if you went to France, you know, yes, there are uh, English uh, places or, or there there are uh, signs that have some English. But for the most part, it's going to be in, in French or, or Italian, you know, if you're in Italy. You're just almost yeah. expected to listen and be. Yeah. And, and so that that is a hurdle to overcome and, and to uh, to deal with. Yeah. I just remember that was one of the things we always had to. Yeah. Always had to overcome. Um. Well, man, that was that was a tangent, right? Yeah. God, this is get used to this, guys. Yeah, right. Guys yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, buckle up, Buttercup. We're we're on for a ride. All right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, your, I'm gonna I'm gonna circle back to. Don't uh, say that again. No, don't. No, that, that, those those that's something that we can't say anymore. Circle, circle back. back. No, why? Why is that? Oh, I just I can't stand. That oh, ride. okay. I just. You got to stick with the news now, and I just oh. can't see the press say "circle back" anymore. For some reason, it's just ruined it. Oh. It's just ruined it for me. All right. Uh, well, we're gonna we're gonna change our azimuth here. Do a reverse azimuth here, and uh, I'm gonna go back to the transition from active duty to the reserves. Okay. 
um, from my experience as being a reservist, uh, I would always have uh, these active duty cats that would come in and they'd be gung ho. And, uh, you know, they're, they're yelling and, and they're being active duty soldiers uh, to the reservists. And, uh, you know, there's been several times where I've had to pull them aside and be like, I understand what you're doing. You know, I appreciate what you're doing, but you can't. You, you got to cool your jets just the tiniest bit. I, I absolutely agree. I, I got your back 100%. However, you, you can't expect this level, that level of that, you know, that, uh, that standard out of, out of a reserve soldier on a drill weekend. Right. Now, if they've been, if, you, if you've had them for a couple days, like at, a, uh, at an FTX, you know, at, at a gun range, where you've got them back into soldier mode, or you got them into uh, annual training where you've had them for, you know, 10 days and you've been enforcing those standards, then yes, you can absolutely go that hard on them. But on a drill weekend, and you're smiling because I said hard on them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but on a drill weekend, you, you got to relax just a smidge, just a bit, because... At that moment, they're trying to switch from that civilian mindset back into a soldier mindset, and they're still trying to compartmentalize their their civilian their civilian jobs. But some of those guys still have to deal with on drill weekend, right. and then trying to get into the uh, the the soldier mode. You know, hey, I am now I now have to focus on on the army stuff and their objectives, and I have to meet these. And so sometimes that'll take a day or two, and generally you'll see them back into the mode at the end of the second day, at, at, on Sunday at about fifteen hundred. It's like, oh, I'm a, I'm a soldier again, and like, all right, deuces, we're we're out of here at sixteen hundred. Yeah. So there is there is that you know um, issue that you have to deal with on the reserve side. From from my experience, what, what I've noticed. Thank God, I never had to deal with. I could not. I can't. You know. And I'm not. I'm not saying <laughs> lax the standards. No, I yeah. get it, but give him a give him more of a breather. Yeah, to get back in it. I would say, however long you have to drive to get to here from wherever you live, that's your time that you get back into it. Once and you put that uniform on, you have to do it immediately. Yeah. Now, me, I was able to make that switch. I, I would just tell myself, or like it would just happen as soon as I put that uniform on. I even had a different walk. It's just it's called swagger, I think. Yeah, swagger. swagger. Yeah, that, that big dick walk. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but I would just have that um, that 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 personality shift, and I would become a different person. I, I really would. Once that uniform is on, I'm I'm somebody completely different. But I and I would I would expect that out of me. Now, I would try to instill that into my you were also a leader my, my troops. Yeah. So yeah. it would happen probably faster for you because you had to be that person for well, the yeah, troops. Well, yes, absolutely. Because uh, as a as an E five sergeant, I was put into leadership positions right away, and uh, you know, on, on reserves, there's limited personnel. So as an E five sergeant, I was put into a platoon sergeant role. Um, I, I, they couldn't call me a platoon sergeant because I was, uh, you know, I didn't meet the grade requirements. But I still had to act that a little bit, or act in that in that position. So yes, absolutely, I would have to make that personality shift right there. And you would see that from you would see that mostly from the from the other NCOs too. They would they would be able to compartmentalize that a little bit more. But it's mostly the the junior enlisted, you know, your E ones, the E four, that would have that struggle of well, I'm just I'm just trying to you know going through the motions, you know, kind of kind of deal. Yeah, that's I saw a lot of that. In the yeah. short time I was doing it, and it just was—it bugged me. 
Oh yeah, yeah. And it, I mean, it, it bugged me too. It, it absolutely did. And but that's that's part of my leadership style too. Is I would I would almost empathize with them a little bit more. Sympathize with them. And 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 uh, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and say it. And I would. I'll kind of let the standard slide just the smidgest bit. I'm, I'm interested to hear what's going to come out of your mouth next. Yeah. However, I, I would have a conversation with them. And I learned early on in my leadership career that, yes, you can yell at somebody and they'll, they'll, it'll get a point across. But having a conversation with somebody... You it's know, more point, effective. Absolutely. You know, And it, you, have, you also have to know your target audience. Sure. You know, there, there's some guys that... The only way to get through their head is to call them a, a cunt stain and, you know, and a, a, a cum put, bucket. Put your hands on them. Yeah, you know, get your dick beaters out of your out of your pockets and, you know, let's go, you know. Uh, but that, that that's more of the exception that, 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 I, that I saw. Uh, um, it was more of, hey, let's have a conversation. Let me figure out what's going on. Talk to me. Right. And let's work with it. Let's work through this together. Right. You know, it was, for me, it's always... It's not me against you. It's us as a team, and, and that—that's always been my mindset as a leader. Is let's all come together and let let's work through these issues. Right. It, it's yeah. It, it's always been a, a team kind of mentality because I feel like if I can let them know, hey, I am here for you and I'm I'm here to support you. I want to help you through this issue as a as a team kind of kind of mentality. I'll get so much more back from them. Sure. And that, that's kind of always been my leadership style. Or the transitions quicker to whatever you need them to do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I found that it almost like uh, in the Mary Poppins thing, you know, you know, a little bit of sugar helps the medicine go down. You know, and a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Absolutely. I'm singing it in my head. Thank you. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. I'm not the only one. Uh, yeah, so um, I, I found that if I really needed my guys to do something, I would you know, talk to them or if there was like some kind of an issue coming up, you're like, oh, okay, let, let's figure it out. And then we would move forward. And then giving just that little bit of understanding, I would get so much more back in return. Right. And that, that, that just seemed to work, you know, so much more. And now if I had guys that were just like total shitbags, then okay. I, I've already tried the, the kind of, you know, sh- arm around the shoulder technique. Now, now it's time for, the real Sergeant Adams to come out and now, now you're going to be in council. You're going to be doing pushups and you know, now, now, now the side side of me that I don't want to have come out is coming out. Right. We are all capable of that. It's not, it's, it's easy to lead that way. It's better to lead with respect yeah. right? and not fear and intimidation and, and, and yelling. But you know, one of the things that got me through, I felt like I, it, you know, I felt like I went pretty quickly through the ranks. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like I just did what I was supposed to do when I was supposed to do it. Right. And it yeah. really wasn't difficult for me mm-hmm. just to do that. Now, well, there's a time when I look back, I think it was probably brainwashed. Brainwashed. Absolutely. Probably. Yeah. Um, but it was justifiable. Yeah. And I could tell myself there's a reason for, for everything I did. But the Marine Corps was more difficult on things that just didn't make any sense. But I always told myself when I got to that guy's shoes... I would never treat my people the same way he treated me, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. And I felt like uh, there's a lot of leaders that just would do stuff just because they could, because of their rank. Oh, yeah, so much Because they've done so. it, yeah. and the hazing keeps going. And I, I can't even say I was hazed, really, because right, it was yeah. just normal stuff. I mean, the the most hazing that I would see, if you would want to call it hazing. I, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't is, call it hazing. but Yeah, is when guys would get uh, promoted. Uh, you know, we would always punch. The punch, punch stripe. Yeah, punch the, punch the rank. 
And uh, oh, you're talking about either they're pinning the rank on their clothes. Well, I I came in after the after the pin on. I, okay. I was all Velcro. Oh Jesus! And uh, that that's a tradition that's been going on for generations in in all branches of the military, uh, Marine Corps, Coast Guard, you know, you, you name it. And um, you know, guys, they look forward to that. And um, it's a ten percent of people that have gotten hurt. Yeah, yeah, physically. There, there, there are those outliers. You yeah. Know, yeah, uh, which is why they stopped trying to do let, allow it to happen because of the, yeah. the people taking it people too far. People getting hurt, and I agree that there is a limit to it now. Uh, but it, it goes back, you know, to the camaraderie. We're at as a byproduct of the military, you're, you're flung into all these different cultures of people, and one thing that you get out of it is the camaraderie, that that brotherhood. And when when you know, I don't throw around the the word brother lightly. You know, um, I. Generally, if you're in the military, I will call you brother because we all have that common bond. And uh, I, you know, honestly, I don't even like my civilian friends. I don't call them brothers. Uh, it, it's mostly all all my veteran my, my my veteran friends. Well, I will just, you know, maybe maybe you're a veteran that I've met you for the first time. You know, I'm I'm going to call you a brother though because we have that that commonality. Absolutely. That you might be a slick sleeve. Uh, we, we call that uh, a slick sleeve uh, in the. In the army, somebody that hasn't deployed because uh, we we wear patches on our right arm for for combat deployments. Um, you know, it might be a slick sleeve, you might be a private, uh, you might you know be a, a whole tabbed out you know as a veteran. You know, I'm going to refer to you as a as a brother. It, it doesn't matter. You know, thank you. Open up the microphone. Oh, open the microphone. Let's here we go. Oh, that was Chris. <laughs> I just never heard it before. Yeah. Oh, you never heard that? Oh, Not on my own. Yeah. Look at that transient there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you got the pour going on? That's a pretty good pour, too. Yeah. Oh. Uh, it I wasn't mean, that good pour. <laughs> no, it sounded good. It sounded, it's, it's half head. It's mostly head. Mostly head. You know what? Yeah. We like headed. Yeah. yeah. I agree with you on your brother's statement. I can't tell yeah. you a hundred times that, that because you served in the military. Um, no, again, we go back to when I first got out, <clears throat> I felt like I was in a lot of areas that just hated on everybody else i mean there was no reason to ever have a friend in any other branch of service right marines yeah. were you marines stick together period oh, oh it was very segmented and yeah. if you're not a, a carrying a gun for a living you're really nothing to me you're, mm -hmm. you're nobody and i was raised that way legitimately raised through the ranks through every training i went to every school yeah it was how how it was and it wasn't it was just like a lifestyle i didn't question it. i didn't think about it yeah we were, well we would see marines or navy or or some other branch and we would be told stay away from them <laughs> and nothing uh, ever good can come yeah, from talking to yeah, a marine yeah no, else. no good comes from from talking to marines uh <laughs> you know all the way from basic training uh, up through aat and even uh at, at training uh training uh environments uh you're, you're not like, wrong at all yeah, nothing yeah. about that's wrong and and you know, it, it took me a while to realize that it was it wasn't just that they were a marine or or uh, you know a seaman or a, a sailor. Uh, I wouldn't yeah. say seaman. Yeah, uh, it was um, it was because they were trying to keep that that branch uh, uh, segregation. I, I guess I'm not sure exactly what the purpose in, is, is for it or was for it, other than just to separate us more. But it gave us that self. We weren't relying on anybody else. No, we still had somebody mm -hmm. doing our paperwork, checking our supplies, cooking us food, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Maintaining our vehicles. Um, th th just everybody had their part. I didn't want to yeah. do their job. They didn't want to do mine. Mm -hmm. Um, so it just, it, I just felt like 
I missed out on a lot of friendships I could have had, probably. Yeah, but it's interesting to hear that it was the same way on the Marine Corps side. Hey, don't mess with the soldiers. Don't mess. Don't mess Leave with them alone. Let them be sloppy, yeah. nasty, whatever they're doing. Well, we would say the same thing about the Marines. You like, never said that same no, thing. no, we literally would. Like, look how jacked up those fuckers look. That's yeah. never something you said about the Marines. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely did. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You look back, like we weren't allowed to Semper, walk on the grass. Semper pie. Semper pie. Yeah. We couldn't walk on the grass. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The grass is not for walking on. Mm-hmm. If you got caught walking on the grass. If you caught skipping colors, I mean, whatever it was. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was just you would pay the ultimate price, and you just didn't. Uh, there was never a time where you would question something was said to you. You would just do it. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember what it was like to ever not just do what you're told. Yeah, and <clears throat> as soon as I came in, I just had that. I, I, I don't even know if it was conscious, but it was just like I'm in this, in this position now as, as a private and this older guy is now telling me, hey, you have to go over here. Okay, cool. I'm going to go do that now. You know, there was no question of, um, uh, well, fuck you. I don't feel like it. I, I don't feel like it. And I think that's part of the the volunteer mentality that you have to be or have to have when you join the military. And obviously, there, there are the guys that are, that are going to question everything because, you know, they're, they want to be the alpha dog and... and, and yeah, okay, cool. Be the alpha dog, but be the alpha dog at the right time. Yeah, pick and choose when you're going to stand up. Yeah. I just felt like there was a lot of guys that stood up for the wrong thing or had the wrong comment, and now they're doing shit work, things that you don't want to do. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, you learn that very quickly, too. Like, shut shut your mouth or you're going to be doing this shit detail. Right, and yeah. you could just be a perfect soldier or a perfect Marine and still have to do that shit duty, which is why I think probably we became close friends. Yeah. Because everybody's in the same shitty situation, yeah. doing the same shitty work. Oh, that that's a great sandbag position you made for that 240 Golf. I don't like it here. Move it over there 16 inches, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then and then move back because you guys actually had a pretty good idea the first time. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing. That, that looks like hazing, right? Right, yeah. But for me, most of the things that they taught you yeah. coming through the ranks, most of the things had a purpose. Some of yeah. them did not. But yeah. the purpose yeah. was... To do what you're told when you're told to do it. So, I mean, I guess you could look at everything to have a purpose, but some things are just, yeah. you could get away from it mm-hmm. and maybe not follow that stupid tradition and just maybe still get the point across by doing the right. same kind of shit, but in a different way. Yeah. And that's not something the Marine Corps is good at. I can mm-hmm. vouch for that. Yeah. Do no. not use your brains at all. Yeah. I mean, when, <laughs> when I'm teaching soldiers like the basics functionality of a weapon, uh, you know, I'll have them do it 15 times, 15, 20 times, whatever it is. And then on, so in front of me, I'm like, okay, now go do it on your own 15, 20 times. And then like, okay, now come back to me and show me again. And it's just that repetition, trying to build that muscle memory. And uh, that's generally what I try to do uh, at, at, for, for my positions that I'm in when I'm training. I, I want to build that muscle memory so that way they don't have to think about it. Also, the guys that you're training are selected specifically to go do that training. It's not, or yeah, well, not am always. I wrong? Uh, they're, su- they're supposed to volunteer okay. for it, but they're going to get voluntold more often than not. Like, okay. oh shit, here's this cool course, go do it. And um, so, yeah, 
And so uh, some of those guys, they're, they're in the position because they were told to be there. Okay, fair yeah. enough. I thought well, maybe it was the opposite. I thought maybe it was... Yeah, we, we, want them, we want them to volunteer because it is a very... Uh, the, the senior gunner, master gunner position is a very stressful and intense position. I remember when you were going through it. Yeah, yeah. It was... <coughs> I hated it. But look but, where you are now. But I'm glad that I did it. Absolutely. Yeah. So not having to question. So when I when I got out, right? Yeah. Most of the people have the same feelings when they get out. You're not told what to do anymore. So right. now yeah. you have all this freedom of what to do with your life. So the first thing I do, mm-hmm. here's one thing: if you know anything about Chris, yeah. about me, you know this very well. I'm not going to be on time for something. No, not at all. No. And so I don't do it intentionally, right? Yeah. Kind of, maybe, kind of a little bit. I realized everything mm-hmm. in the military, everything in the Marine Corps, everything I did. You had to be 15 minutes prior to 15 minutes prior to 15 minutes prior to 15 minutes. Oh, yeah. And it's just, you hurry up to get there just so you can wait longer. Yeah, hurry and up that's, and wait. Yeah. You got you to gotta do that. Hurry up and wait. And I thought to myself, whenever I'm done and away from this institution, yeah, I'm going to do what the fuck I want to do when I want to do it. Now, yeah. that's kind of crossed the bridge a little bit into another area where it's disrespectful to be late if somebody's waiting for you. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I struggle with that, that. personally yeah. struggle with that because I want to be on time, but I also overdo, I've got 20 minutes to kill. I could probably do the dishes, mow the yard, fold laundry, make dinner for the next week. Yeah. And my microman, my time management is not where it needs to be. I, I'm be a terrible procrastinator and I will, I will procrastinate, uh, till the last minute if I can, uh, cause I, I, that's how I am. Um, but yeah. I, I agree completely. When you're in the military, uh, especially in active orders, uh, your day is planned out. You you can plan the next 15 days, really. Really? F- 15, 20 days, because it's all going to be, okay, I'm going to get up at 05, uh, PT is at 0530 or, or 06 or whatever it is, and then after that, we're going to PT for an hour, and then, then you got hygiene, then the breakfast, and I'm going to go p- report for duty. Do my job and then come back and then done at seventeen hundred or whatever whatever your position is going to be done for the day. Right, and it's get, block scheduling. It's, yeah. it's it doesn't change, and you can rely on that. And right. that that's part of that um, part of that struggle to get through once you do transition out of the military. And uh, you know, I've heard a lot of guys that struggle with that. You know, absolutely. I mean. I felt like when I got out, I just went to I went right away to the workforce. Right, the only yeah. job I could get. Mm-hmm. was driving an armored truck to be honest that was the yeah. only job that would hire me and i have a funny story i'll keep it short but i ultimately went for a security guard position because i thought i want to be and i didn't want to be a cop i've already yeah. done some really cool things in fast company i thought i was better than most cops i'm not going to sit here and write tickets for a year before i or be yeah. a, a night guy you know and do that all over again i felt like i was better than that mm-hmm. and i know for a fact that you can't just join law enforcement and be ahead of anybody. No, you have no, to go through your shit. Bottom, bottom of the barrel again. And I didn't yeah. want to do it. So, anyways, I thought maybe you know, get to carry a gun, get to drive a truck with money. Cool. I hired for a lot of jobs, and yeah. I really couldn't get them. And I had one job that was a second interview, mm-hmm. just so they could tell me why they didn't want to hire me. Oh. And it was kind of a. It was. It kind of gets into the whole like when you get out of the military. You got taught how to do a resume. You got taught how to do this and that. And it was all given by people that were still in the military and they have no idea what it's like. So ultimately I'm going to blame this on those guys. They didn't prepare me for life. My resume was all of the cool, badass shit I did. And it's, you should hire me because I know how to blow up demolition and build this fancy thing with C4 and blow up this and 
I'm just a trustworthy guy. But I'm thinking, yeah, telling somebody, telling a civilian person that you can do all these things really mm-hmm. can make you very, very good in the company. Like you can do, I can literally, I'm a Marine. I can do anything. Cut your lawn. Yeah. I could build a building. I could polish this brass like anybody's business. But, yeah. You know, it, it reminds me of Rambo. How uh, uh, the original Rambo, uh, he's in the building and it's flooding and he, it's at the end of the movie and uh, he's like, I can't get a fucking job. You know, I was in charge of million dollars of equipment and right. now on, on the civilian side, I can't. You know, I can't even hold down a job. You know, I can't even job as a uh, fucking car wash guy. Right. You know, so you have that. You're up on this pedestal up up in the military. You have all this responsibility. You have a purpose. A purpose, exactly. You know, you can drive a tank. You you can be in charge of this multi million dollar piece of equipment. But on the civilian side, they don't give a shit. No. You know, and yeah, as you're talking about that resume, you know, uh, I thought it was cool. You know, oh yeah, here, here I'll put I can disassemble M M two A one and or M two uh, you know a heavy barrel and, and put it back together blindfold. What does that do for me? It doesn't, do, shit it doesn't do, yeah. But it does correlate to a lot of bullshit that you can put up with. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's all like how you can articulate it, and that's what it really comes down into. So the second interview um, literally yeah. was the reason we're not going to hire you because you're a liability to the company. Oh, shit. And it was a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. I was like, well, it makes sense. And so I got it with some more people that yeah. really knew how to put some words together. They didn't make me sound like a fucking Rambo because that's right. not what they want to hire. They don't want to hire somebody that has all this training because what if something happens? Yeah. And he's got all this training. Now he's a liability to this company. So uh-huh, I was like, okay, yeah. this makes a lot of sense to me. So I started over fresh, brand new, started going to school, started whatever. So anyways, mm-hmm. that was that was one of the But for me... I had purpose when I got out, is to make money. Yeah. And make money. Whatever I have to do to make money. You know, I feel a lot of the suicide issues that we deal with sure. on the military is that transition. You have this background of years and years of having that camaraderie and that purpose, and then you leave and it's taken away. Your entire support system, your everything is gone, and now you have to try to pound through and get through this. And because of that, Guys end up in a, a spiraling depression, and they can't well, get out. Let's talk of it. about that. Let's talk about yeah. how when you get out, you've got you've got sometimes you're able to do um, whatever you want to do when you want to do it. Yeah. I like to party. I'm gonna drink, right? And, and drinking becomes a yeah. lifestyle. And, and that that is the devil's devil's playground right there. I don't have a yeah. formation Sunday morning anymore. Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Monday morning, I don't have any responsibility, so I can drink what I want when I want to. So yeah. I start overdoing it a little bit because yeah, I'm, I'm my own man, right? Yeah. And that leads into something different and something different. It seems like we're not going to sit here and say if, if you're an alcoholic, you'd like to drink beer, you're going to start smoking weed or, right, yeah. or doing cocaine. But it seems like whatever we choose, whatever poison we choose, we're going to do it to the full extent of the law. Oh, yes. Absolutely. We are going to do it 110% because that's where you don't fail at anything. That's, that's how we are. Drink as, to get drunk. We're going to smoke to get high. We're going to, you know, yeah. no matter what it takes. So I feel like yeah. abusing that stuff. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You're isolated. You don't work out anymore. So you're, your body's all out of whack. Mm-hmm. You don't have that yeah. purpose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you hit a nail on the head right there. You're not working out anymore, you know. You don't realize just how good that is for your body to Absolutely actually work is. out. You get all that extra stress out, and by just sitting on the couch, being you know over there on Fort Couch, pounding those bags of potato chips and and, and beers, chasing down with beers. Yeah, you know you you can end up in that depression very quickly. And you know, uh, I've had friends uh, 
Banev decided to take that decision. And, uh, like take their life decision. Yeah, t- decided to take their life. When's the first time you had that happen to you? Uh, the first time... Give us a baseline here. The first time that I experienced it personally um, was one of my old uh, AIT uh, uh, soldiers that I, I went to AIT with. Um, and he had, I, I had friends on Facebook, and he had got out of the military. He did a couple of deployments, and... Um, and he got out, and he started posting some really weird stuff on Facebook. So I reached out to him, and like, hey, how you doing? And he's like, hey, transition's kind of rough. And, uh, you know, things aren't going all that great. And, you know, I, I didn't know how to deal with it. I had never really touched with it at that time. And then I What would you say? What would you feel like? Uh, you know, I just Buck like... Buck up, get over it. Yeah, it was it was a basic bullshit, you know, like, oh, you know, well, it's tough, but, you know, you can get through it. You, you know, can just, get through it, yeah. Yeah, just Charlie Mike, things will be okay. What's Charlie Mike? Uh, continue mission. Okay. Yeah, uh, that, that's an Army thing. You I know. know. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask yeah. you more yeah. often than not. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Because you have so many of them. Yeah. Um, but I was like, yeah, just Charlie Mike, things will be okay. Uh, and I, I probably said some stupid slogan from our <laughs> AIT, like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, then I and then I heard a couple of days later that he decided to take his life, okay. uh, and uh, it was a very violent way to take his life too. Uh, that that seems to be kind of the uh, the more often um, way to do it on the on the veteran side. Do you know why? I I don't know as far as why we do it that way. Yeah. Uh, no. It's actually between men and women. It's different. Yeah. yeah. I learned this. I went to a certified class that uh, they taught us. Some mm-hmm. basic things, basic life-saving skills yeah. on suicide and mental health. Ultimately, um, first aid is what the cast was called. And so women generally are a little more reserved in their pills, right? They're taking okay. pills. They're, they're, mm-hmm. they're not as violent. They're just go-to-sleep pills. Yeah. But they're able to get their stomach pumped and somebody's going to find them. If you're going to pull a trigger, it's more violent. It's more men tend to actually. So if you look at statistics, <clears throat> we'll pull this out real yeah. quick. Do you think that men or women try to kill themselves more often? I would, me personally, I would say men try to kill themselves more Everybody often. Everybody thinks that because men, they're successful. They don't, okay. they don't fuck around. Yeah. They're going to pull that trigger. Women are a little less aggressive with it, so they're going to take pills and they're found. But they actually do more often try to take their life by suicide. Okay. And so one thing I don't do is I don't say commit suicide anymore. I have something okay. I've learned. Um, commit is actually a committed a commitment to do something to follow through with something to right and yeah. so they are, are trying to when i say they the professionals the mental health suicide um arena they are trying to change their lingo uh, if you will yeah. um to they die by suicide they didn't make a commitment to die by they they didn't have any feelings other than they wanted to take themselves out of the situation they're in right yeah now that's and, something that i learned about too is uh generally when people decide to take that action they're they're trying to end the pain. Yeah, they, they just they want w- the pain to stop. They're everything the so twisted stop. up in their yeah. head that all they want is this pain to stop. Right. Yeah. And so it's not like you can't say they did it with confidence and they did it with you know that this yeah. is their plan. It just turns out to their signals are all crossed. The only way to stop this pain is to end their life, and they think they're a burden. They, you know, we can go on about that. Yeah. We, I'm sure we will. But yeah, absolutely. Um, ultimately, it's women. Women that do it more often, hmm. but they're not as successful because men are generally going to pull that trigger. Or, or swerve that bike over the ledge or p- punch that car into something, you know. Right, yeah. It's going to be something very, ver- usually violent. Yeah. Going to get, going to, you know, they're more committed to that. 
Yeah, I think when I say they're not committed, they're committed. Yeah, um, that's interesting. Uh, I would not have thought that. Uh, you know, it's just something that you just. I'm trying to learn as much as I can. Yeah. Right. So we come into. Let's go back to your 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 situation that you dealt with, right, yeah. where that was. Tell me about your feelings, and what's changed you as has been a spark since then. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. And you know, I look back on that conversation I had with him, and you know, he, you know, it was. I don't want to to myself, you know, pat myself on the back here. Like, hey, I reached out to him, you know, but I, I saw the signs and I at least made an effort. You know, I think so. I think at least that was partially like I was seeing something. So, I, yes, I want to reach out to him. He's my brother and I want to try to help him. But the manner that I did it. Sure. You could have been better. And just how education. Know, yeah. Through through educational means. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think. You know, even though that we in in the military, uh, if you're still in, you know, you're still you get pumped monthly. You know, suicide classes, uh, you know, or suicide awareness classes. You know, or suicide prevention. And I think I think the military understands that it is definitely a problem, and they're trying to figure out ways to do it. But there's, I, I think, just doing classes and like, hey, don't kill yourself. You know, I don't think that's a good enough kind of class. Sure. You know. You got to get down to the root problem, you know. And uh, I think uh, the conversation I had with him was a step in the right direction. And ultimately, after hearing that, it it really got me thinking more of like, hey, you know, I wouldn't say I could have saved him, you know, sure. because he was he was probably already he's already made that decision. And when when somebody has decided to to die by suicide, I'm going to start using that. By the way they they've made that decision i'm glad good yeah uh and and they start putting out these warning signs you know the red flags you know selling their things or making their apologies uh they've made that decision and you usually will see them as a happier person at that time so they've already said their goodbyes and yeah they said their goodbyes and you know that kind of eases you off it's this weird kind of thing that happens you know and you know, maybe it's their way of trying to get you to back up because they know maybe you're getting too close to the, the real issue. Absolutely, I think. Um, but you know, my my buddy that uh, uh, what's know, his name? Uh, his name was Frank uh, Frank Diorio. Frank Diorio. Yeah, and uh, his job was he was a uh, he was a ninety two alpha as well. Uh, and as far as I know, uh, he might have reclassed, uh, but we we lost touch shortly after uh, AIT. Sure. Uh, so he might have reclassed to a different position, but. Uh, from what I remember, he was an AI. Uh, he was a, a 92 alpha. Okay. okay. Yeah. It's, I think it's important to, um, and I try to tell everybody every chance I get, say their names. So they're not forgotten. Oh yeah. They didn't die was, in vain. Remember yeah. how, remember what, remember the good times and then say their names because they're always going to be. So every time we go to uh, headstones, every time we go to a funeral, every yeah. time we go anywhere in the cemetery, we, we freak at the cemetery quite a bit. Um, we mm-hmm. have a lot of friends that are there. And so we always try to say their name as much as possible, tell a good story about something that they did. And, and you want to make sure that their name lives on. Absolutely. Yeah. Right? I mean, somebody passes, no matter what situation there's in leads up to it. You remember the good stuff yeah. and you remember their name and you talk about them as a hero. Um, yeah. Why? You know, it's just one of those things that you want to try to praise the people that have gone before you. Yeah. And, and just remember that. So mm-hmm. that's always been a, a small thing that I've done with my children. I've done with um, friends and family. Yeah just to make sure that we can continue to live and remember, you know, the good things, remember them for what they were. Yeah, absolutely. Not how they ended. Yeah. 
Now you you're kind of mentioning there about going to uh, uh, cemeteries and stuff. Yes. Yeah. So tell me I, more about that. I do that frequently. Um, I'll get on the motorcycle, which okay. is my therapy. Right. Yeah. Um, wind therapy, cycle therapy. It's a place where I can just be be me. I'm in complete control all the right. time. Um, and and I'll travel around out of the outskirts of the you know edge of town. That's mm-hmm. where you find the best bars, the best burgers, oh, the best hidden yeah, places. Yeah. Um, and I'll always try to stop by a cemetery. Um, okay. I'll find out who's the veteran. Sometimes cemeteries have logs on. Sometimes you oh, have to okay. do some research. Um, yeah. Most most of the times their headstones do reflect, and then you can. Um, I just stand there, say a prayer, thank them for their service, and then say their name out loud. And it's kind of, yeah. it's not silly to me. It's just, it's just, it's an honorable thing for me to do. Um, yeah. Say those honorable words. A hey, movie title. Right. Yeah. <laughs> or a so podcast title. We're yeah. going to do that. We're going to, we're going to make sure this all comes back some, somehow, some shape or form. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, but we'll do that. Um, I'll do it on Moral Day. Okay. Um, there are some organizations that do put flags on Moral Day on, on veterans. Um, yeah places where they lay um there are this last year was was covid it was difficult very difficult yeah there was not a push for that however myself we had a whole veteran community a whole bunch of civilian community come out and to uh, omaha national cemetery and put down flags that we purchased on our own uh, to actually make sure that happened because i'll be damned if there's a day i'm on this earth right where there's not a veteran that's laying to rest that doesn't have a flag on memorial day on their gravestone so yeah. that's really important to me that we always continue that like i said there are organizations that do it on a regular basis there's yeah. a lot of cemeteries that don't get that publicity no not yeah and they need yeah. they need they don't have family members around whatever it is they need to have that um so i mean it doesn't have to be publicized it could be something you just do just go out there go yeah. talk to somebody and that's one of the things that really drew me to you as as a person as um you know, we were working together as a, on that guard job, and uh, I hadn't really done anything outside of the military for veteran outreach. And you kept pushing me and pushing me, and uh, you know, finally, I, I started showing up to the uh, veteran organization that you were you were doing at the time. And uh, I'm really thankful that you did because I eventually went down my own path of uh, of suicide, and. Um, you know, it was your your push and that direction of uh, dealing with it that helped me get through it. And now I'm I'm a huge advocate for veteran outreach organizations. By me pushing you right to go do things with veterans and to go yeah. be there for the veteran community, that's actually my answer to how to save our veterans. Yeah, I feel like the government, VA, mm-hmm. while people are in the service, the the classes, everything is reactive. How do we get ahead of suicide by being reactive to how they're doing it, why they're doing it? Let's not focus on the main reason is yeah. not they're they're not with their people. They don't have their purpose. Yeah. They don't have those five things we discussed earlier. We're, we're going to talk about that the, the health, yeah, the mental absolutely. health aspect. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you get ahead of that? Well, I'm going to live today and tomorrow with you as a friendship. Mm-hmm. So where if I need you. We're, we're, we spend time together. We do things in the veteran community together. Yeah. We are, 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 this is the things that I'm missing because I'm not right. serving with my people, right? Yeah. That yeah I'm we're we're the filling the, those, those gaps mm-hmm. that, that have been created from your transition. Now, out. we haven't gotten into the whole, like, let's go work out together, right? Right. And yeah. I don't know if we'll ever get there. Yeah, because, probably not. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you can try to haze me after a couple beers and then I'll do some push ups and competition, yeah. something like that, but that's about it. Yeah. We will not be working out, especially on podcasts, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Yeah. But I think 
our veteran group is good at doing things with for a purpose, mm-hmm. right? And doing things to help other veterans. Navigation is hard when you're out on your own. It is. Absolutely. Uh, the VA is not very good. They've never been very good. So, well, they, they kind of screwed the pooch, let's, let's be honest, in, in the Vietnam era. Yeah. And they're just trying to get their self together after that. And a lot of people don't go to the VA. You know? Yeah. Just, it's treacherous to have to navigate. And oh, yeah. when you hit a brick wall as a veteran to get some self-help... You hit a brick wall. Guess what? This was stupid. My excuse is, well, I shouldn't have done it anyways. This is stupid. I knew it was worth a waste of time. Right. Why go any further? Right. Exactly. And so that's exactly. So if I'm able to talk to another veteran and help mm-hmm. them through the process, hold them accountable, and you know, give them a purpose by reaching out to other veterans. Yeah. I feel like that could be what we're. I mean, this is we'll talk about this today, right? But in right. 30 years from now, we might actually have something. We might be onto something, right? Right. We're going to continue doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that if there's people out there that, that this catches on, all we're doing is talking. Right. right. Yeah. We're doing the things we love to do. We're talking you know, about the, the legit real shit. Yeah. And, you know, I've actually talked to veterans that were on the precipice of deciding to take their life and just having a conversation with them. I may not even realize it at the time, but then they'll shoot me a message and they say, thank you for talking to me. I was about to to take my life, but just having this conversation has stopped me and, and it's done perspective shift. Wow. What do you what do you think? What do you feel? How do you react? When I re- my my initial reactions to those is just like, oh, yeah, hey, yeah, no problem, brother. I'm here to help you. You know, I want to help you get through this. And that's. But, like, personally, I'm just like, holy shit. You know, like, all I was doing was just having a conversation. Sure. And I didn't think anything of it. And it's really just, it, it just blows my mind. That it's just a simple conversation. Just asking, how are you? You know, asking those tough questions. Uh, that You know, they try to get that into you uh, during some of the suicide prevention. is like, ask the tough questions. Are you thinking of hurting yourself? Right. And I will, I will plenty Jane ask it, ask a guy like if we're talking and he starts, you know, throwing up some some signs like, okay, real talk. Are you thinking of hurting yourself? And then I just stay quiet, let that let that space fill it, and then let them answer. And it it goes back to like negotiation tactics, you know, the first person that talks loses in that in that moment. I'm screwed. Yeah. <laughs> no. But, uh, you know, I, I think we've touched on quite a lot. We have. And there's I'm a lot. Excited. Yeah, you know, uh, we're sitting on almost uh, 90 minutes here. Uh, it's going to get cut down a little bit, but, you know, almost 90 minutes. You know, uh, you know what, what are your final thoughts here? I, I'm, I'm excited for this. I'm excited to get some good guest speakers on here. Oh, I'm yeah, excited absolutely. to have a lot more fun. Um, this mm-hmm. is something that's it's been very important to me to make sure that we take care of our own. Right? Yeah. Nobody's going to do it but us. Exactly. And if we yeah. can save one person by the words that we're speaking, guess what? It was worth it. And it's Absolutely. honorable. Yeah. Honorable words. All right. So this is your uh, your host, Joby Adams, signing off. Chris Colburn, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. We'll see you on the next one. Number five. <laughs>